when you look at what makes a rifle good uh, or what makes a rifle great, number one, I think, is the design, the overall design of what you're trying to accomplish, right? I wanted to make sure that we designed a rifle that had all the features that an extreme hunter, somebody that's going to pack it up in the mountains, somebody's going to take it on a, a backpacking trip to the Yukon, or they're going to hunt with it in the prairies of Montana. You know, have that, all the abilities of shooting long range, having it the right weight for what they needed to use it for, and then having all the features that we discussed all compiled into one rifle. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Welcome to this week's episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. And thanks for being at the Bone Cave with us. I know I say this all the time, but I always look around to see if we have any new bones in the cave, and we don't. Um, we do have a couple boneheads here today with us that have joined us, and uh, they are oh, going to goodness. be uh, so effervescent. Is that My new be word like, is from that, Pat Stewart, as that's what he's qualified eff effervesc me as. Oh, I thought it was effervescent. a bonehead. It was going to be like the new name for all of our hardcore membership people. We could call them boneheads. 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 <laughs> boneheads. But we have Jeff Sipe and Brad Dana here today, which obviously we always have Brad Dana. But Jeff Sipe's here with us also, live in person, ready Yay. to rock and roll. Yay. No applause, Brad. No, yeah, no yeah. crowd goes wild. Oh, here it is. There it is. Okay, now we hear it. I'm, I'm, we yeah. got the applause. Okay, there. good. So great to have you here, Jeff. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> my god <laughs> they're tugging at each other right now uh, uh, let's tango um anyway uh and obviously as always bleeps here and we are ready to roll can i say that this is number one uh, number 180 um not really <laughs> oh right because we don't yeah, consecutively it won't yeah because it, it would have to be we keep so just so everybody knows, we keep track of a consecutive number, but yeah. that doesn't mean that's yeah. the, the number you're getting this. So We're, this could actually be put out to 220. No, it won't be that far. Well, I think it should be. Well, maybe. No, I don't know. Easy. I'm just thinking that we're the content's going to be good. You could say we're closing in on episode 200. We're closing in on episode 200, everybody. Thank you. 200. And if you can do us a favor, go ahead and share this podcast with anybody that's Absolutely. an outdoor enthusiast. We would appreciate it. We take no dollars for this. Do we have a sponsorship, Leap? Uh, we're sponsored today by... Um, <laughs> Dana guess, Dental Arts. Dana Dental Arts. <laughs> wow. We love your smile. Think about uh, this. Where your teeth are important to our mouth. The yeah. Beautiful smile <laughs> is always in style. Huh? With a beautiful smile. If is your teeth aren't becoming to you, you should be coming to us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. oh, wow. We could just go crazy with this. Anyway, we don't take any uh, sponsorships. So we do appreciate it if you share this. If you enjoyed it and you want to share it, we would sure be happy to uh, um, be shared. So anyway, I don't, I'm not good at asking for stuff like that. How about this? Today's podcast, we are going to discuss rifles. What, why, and how? What makes the rifle uh, a great rifle, a long-range rifle? You know, and, and I was thinking about this the other day because um, I was thinking of our friend, Scott Palmer. And our Golly Club member, amazing shooter, uh, great man, uh, adventure seeker, hardcore athlete, okay? Um, I admire him in so many ways. And uh, um, and he's he's and then the only faux pas that the guy really carries is that oh, he was Brad's uh, um, roommate in college. Other than that, you know, him and Shay McGowan had to endure. I, that's why maybe I like Shay and uh, Scott so much. Well, Scott was not my roommate. He wasn't. No. Oh, I thought you guys were roommates. No. Was Shay? No. Oh, you guys never roomed together. No. You just hunted together. We yep. became great buddies. Yep. Scott. Yep. He had the same interests. Yeah. We, yeah. Scott and I uh, started hunting together the first year we were in school together. And we, uh, we hooked up. Actually, I think we both took 
Shea on his first big game hunt, and now Shea is chasing his uh, North American 29. Closing in on it, yeah. too. He, so he, I think he, 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 Shea was a big waterfowl. He was a shotgun hunter. Right. And uh, yeah, I think we were juniors or seniors, and we took him deer hunting or something. Oh, boy, yeah. did he take off. Yeah, he took off. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that, no, we, we were just good friends, and uh, we did a lot of – uh, like Scott and I in particular, we teamed up in the surgical department together and we would all sp- just good friends. S- split cases together. And yeah. so, yeah, we just hung out in class together and, uh, and afterwards. So, well, yeah. I, know, I, I know I always tease you guys about it, but it's, it's always cool to see, uh, relationships that last that long. Um, but speaking of relationships that have lasted a long time, um, we started with a company in, in this endeavor and I, I'd like to just tell the quick story. Um, Brad and I met because uh, people have asked this question: uh, Where did you and Brad meet? Um, so I moved to Spearfish 18 years ago this past summer. In South Dakota, Spearfish, South Dakota, from um, basically the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, and uh, um, I owned and still own financial services offices with a firm um, from Wall Street, and uh, um, that was my profession after leaving the meat industry because I have a agricultural degree um, in meat science and uh, um, that's what I did. And so I moved out here to raise my boys, wanted to get away from the gated community and the rhetoric and I would wanted them to have it. I always thought that they can always go to the big city and find that metrosexual lifestyle. <laughs> but if they never knew the redneck world, they would never – you know what I'm saying? You never, you, it, you never go back to that. You can always go to something. So anyway, we moved here, and our sons, my, I, I was on an airplane, and um, I got a phone call when I landed in Chicago, and my wife was very uh, insistent in the fact that if I was going to sign my son up for sports and having played a lot of sports and her watching me play a lot of sports – that I should get my ass home and teach him how to play sports instead of having somebody else teach him how to play sports because my kid sucked. He was awful. Noah, who ended up playing college ball. And he's been and, on a couple and, podcasts and, with us. And he's been on a couple podcasts. He's an amazing athlete. Amazing athlete now. I'm sorry, was. Noah, that your dad's talking about you like that. That was not very cool. No, he sucked. And so he sucked. Okay. So, so my wife tells me, get your ass home, teach this kid how to play baseball. So I was like, okay. So baseball comes around the next summer, and I signed my son up for baseball, who he just loved baseball since he was a little boy. And I walk out, and I said I'll be an assistant coach. So I walk on the field, and there's another assistant coach there with a kid that was almost probably as bad as my son, and they were the two least baseball-equipped playing people on the team and it happened to be jackson dana noah's or uh, um, brad's son so brad and i had the most um for being athletic ourselves had two boys that that needed some help does that make sense and so brad and i became buddies because we were the assistant coach <laughs> and we sat there and we're both throwing a baseball a million miles across the field to each other in our late 30s, early 40s, and uh, our kids can't even walk and chew gum at the same time, and that's how we met. So I've digressed this podcast. <laughs> well, do you know what? Noah went on to college and played ball. He did. He was an amazing athlete. Jackson uh, made it to first base several times that year and uh, um, became the valedictorian of his class. Bless and Jackson's heart for trying to – he, 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 uh, he was in track. He was in cross country. But yeah. he was never in love with athletics, and I just – I didn't get it. Um, but he, my kids – But he has an amazing mind. Oh, he's you – know, he's a genius. He's – really really smart right he's really really smart so they they Uh, both found their place they both are adults they're both living life they're both uh, uh, unbelievable human beings and the reality is is the two of them brought brad and i to become buddies and within weeks after that Susie invited us up to the house and we sat on your back deck and uh um it was a gated community just totally a different gate than you were used to it was uh 
it was, you know, I had the big arches, and you could uh, drive through into my pasture. There was a little ranch. <laughs> and so, anyway, we, uh, we became uh. buddies. My point to all that and how the rifle business started, you talk about a, a tenure and um, having relationships for a long time. Then fast forward a few years, I started Rolling Bones. Brad said, I'd love to be a part of it someday. Brad becomes a part of it. We, um, he buys in. We become partners. Brad is into buying high-end, high-customized rifles. And I, we hit it off because we were both long-range shooters. And I'd heard a lot of people tell me they're long-range shooters. And I'm like, yeah, that means you got to scope with a twisty thing, but you don't know how to use it. And, uh, um, <laughs> and Brad was like, yeah, that means you have a scope with a twisty thing, and you don't know how to use it. And what we found out through conversation is that we both knew what we were doing, and we both been to several shooting schools, and we both had the same experiences. Now, what I did that was different than him was I went and bought um, high-end manufactured rifles, and then would take them to a gunsmith, drop them off, and say, glass bed this, do a trigger job, put it this brake on it, do this. And then I would take it home from there. I'd put my lows on it. I would mount it. I'd put my night forces on it. I would then go buy several hundred dollars worth of ammunition, go down to the range, and because I didn't reload, and I would fan the ammunition that rifle liked best. And I would get all of the data on it, and I would qualify that data, and I'd build my rifle and write my little map out, tape it on the side of the stock of the gun, and I had my long-range rifle, and then I would take two every year to, uh, um, yep, extended range systems, and I would take two every year down to a shooting school and we'd send them up. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And Brad would do the same thing, but he was doing them with custom rifles. Well, I, so I, I found a mentor in dental school, and he was a champion silhouette shooter. And we started, I started with just plain Jane rifles at front. I mean, just Remington's. And he taught me how to glass bed them, do trigger jobs on them, and uh, collect my data and do the twisty things. I remember he was, uh, you know, I was, well, I was 20, probably four at the time, because I met him right when I got into clinics. And, and speed was king. Speed was king because we didn't have the mm -hmm. because yep. you didn't have yeah. the range. You didn't finder, have the range finder, and, and you used different tools to yeah. identify range. Yeah, and and or like in silhouettes, it was known distance. You know, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, and you shot the different stuff, and you you did all the. I mean, I remember shooting different ammunition for the Rams on that, and I shot it with them. I did my first competitive silhouette shoot with Dennis Walvard. That was the guy. I used a mountain a thirty out six mountain rifle with the Leupold 2x8 scope on it and just popped, popped the cap off and dialed the, dialed the data, and, yeah, it was crazy. Mm. Uh, one of my classmates and I, we went and started shooting silhouettes with him. So that, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so, so this was this It was all our, came together. This was our come together. Different, different paths. Right. So then we, get, we, we start this booking agency application adventure company together. And everywhere we would go, and in, in once we started the TV show with Lindley and Rob and then moved to Ubleep, um, we would get the questions, uh, who taught you how to shoot? Where would you shoot? What rifles do you use? So we thought, well, we need to find a rifle to sell. It only made sense. Right. It integrated in our ecosystem perfectly. So um, Brad was like, we, we need to have a custom builder build it. And I'm like, we need to find a manufactured <laughs> rifle. We need to be at this point. And we had two different ideas, right? So then Jeff Sipe came into our picture. Yeah. Because Jay-Z walked us over and right. said, because we went to the SHOT Show the first year to figure it out. You and it, was, it was at the SHOT Show we met, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, where we yeah, met. Because yeah. yep. Jay-Z brought us down. Him and Darren Newsom. Yep. And, and he, he, yep, he, he introduced us to both of him. And so then what happened was, tr I mean, just this is, this is like talk about a God wink or a God moment. He, he walks us in and Jay-Z says, Jeff Sype, these guys, here's what they're doing. Meet them. Get your figured out. And Jay-Z, in all his gregariousness um, and uh, in his, his Jay-Z delivery, yep. he, this is what you need to do. Just do it. And so we're like, uh, uh, and, and very we're assertive. To, yeah, we're yep. listening to you. Yep. Why, Jay Z? And then he introduces us to introduces us to you, and we're like, perfect. And then he goes, now you need an ammo company. Come down here, and we'll get you set up. Right. The marriage was made, and you started building us a custom rifle with our own colors, our own uh, specs, and. That's where Jeff Sipe came we, to play. We literally walked away from – because you had a cool – a really cool booth. 
Yeah, There's that, a wall that, tent. That wall tent. tent awesome. Who came up with that? Well, I, I had always wanted to, to build one with a tent. I'd always thought a tent would be easy. Um, at, at a show, I, I wanted a tent that had zippers. So, literally, I could open it up like it was a, a, well, an tent. outfitter camp. And then, at the end, I could zip it up and lock it and walk away. I didn't have to put all the guns away and do everything. And then, um, what I had always wanted is I wanted the shipping boxes to be part of the display. Oh. Because the thing I hated about uh, the shows is one, you got to wait for them to bring your crates to the floor. And then once you get it all done, then you got to wait for them to come get the crates. And then when the show's over, you sit there and wait for them to bring your right. crates back. So it becomes this long, uh, annoying process. Right. And I had decided, the hell with that. Yeah. I want my shipping crates part of my display. And so um, I went to John Walusiak. And he actually uh, had somebody build it for me how I wanted it. And so that's where that came from. Well, well I remember that. walking away from that cool booth and you go, you looked at me and you go, what do you think? And you had this distressed look in your well, cause eye. Because I thought you were going to shit on it. I know. I thought Brad was going to go, no, we're going over to Gunworks. And uh, we're we would have never it. gone to Gunworks. No, I know. I'm, 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 I'm overstating it, but I thought you're, we're gonna go find a custom man, uh, yeah. even more of a cut. And yeah. I, I, I remember, remember the look in your eyes because I was like, "Fuck, he's never gonna." He's gonna my veto this. I'm like, he's than vetoing that. We're gonna be right back to arguing day one. He's gonna say that's nothing more than a Browning A bolt on steroids, and we're not doing that. And Brad's like. I don't see how we can't do it. I was like, <laughs> like what? No, I almost, I almost no, fucking right. fell over on the floor. I was like, I are still you? Remember. I'm like, are you? Are, I'm you, like, serious? are you serious? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I don't know how we can't, Brian. I'm like, fuck yeah, brother, we're doing this. Oh and, and then gosh. that was the Jeff site. So, so true story. Because then we went back and we were like, we went and had lunch. I remember. And he goes, now we got to find an optics. So then we walked in. Oh, and uh, yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm, my brain's cramping. Oh, Nick Kitlicka. Nick Kitlicka. So we stood in Leopold's booth because they were just coming out with the VX6, and, and they were like the hot thing. And Brad's like, that would work for us. We're going to get a dealership. And we're like, we stood there and stood there, and they kept blowing us off. And I'm like, I hate getting blown off. No, right? the first, because yeah. they had two booths. Remember in the shot right. show, they and used the, to have they, two booths. And the big one, they blew us off. And the first off. guy basically said, sit and spin, brother. Right. No and way. They blew us off. That was my yeah. version of blowing. And then another guy comes out, because Brad was persistent. He goes, you know what you guys need to do? You need to go over to the custom booth. That's where you need to go. And he goes, really? And you need to talk to Nick. And fucking Brad was out the door running. And I'm like, where are you going? He goes, we're going to the custom booth. <laughs> and so, so true story, Leopold, Montana Rifle, and um, Darren Newsom. Yep. Um, and we connected those three dots, and we left that yep. shot show. We sold 114 rifles our first year. Yep. And not, Nick Kitlicka was so good. He was good to us, and he's like, I like your idea. that We're going to make that work. Yep. And it was a little outside of the box, but we came a dealer yep. through. We became yep. a dealer with Leopold through the, um, through the custom shop, yep. and we got our dealership with you. And our rifles designed and arranged, and we got it matched up with ammo with Darren Newsom. Yep. And we sold more of those rifles that first year. And then the other thing was people would come in and go, oh, yeah, because Montana Rifle was really taken off because you're your partner. Um, and uh, it was a shot. <sighs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. Anyway. I don't know the stories. I'm consuming some of the time of the story, but I think it's valuable to know because now here we are partners with you we're the distribution machine for your company badlands rifle company right. and badlands university yep. and you're consuming our um shooting schools who should have been wildly successful yep um and now you're consuming them into this idea that you had that this last year we saw each other at shot show which we've told that story on this podcast before yep. met in des moines and now we need to tell the audience what makes our rifles great, why we're doing what we're doing, and, and why we picked the, the LSR as the first model. Right. And yeah. then uh, how we're different. Yeah. So well, let's, let's start with what? Well, you know, the, the, it, it all comes down to the fact that um, through the years of experience that, that I have had in the industry and, and 
experiences, I should say, um, I, I came up with a, a thought of, of how I wanted to, to design a rifle. And so when you look at what makes a rifle good uh, or what makes a rifle great, um, number one, I think, is the design, the overall design of what you're trying to accomplish, right? And so um, the, the first thing that we had discussed was um, – everybody was really concerned about the two main things. Number one was the weight of a rifle. And number two was the speed of the velocity of, of a bullet leaving the barrel. Right. Right. Those are the two main things that people always talk about uh, when it comes to accuracy of a, of a, a rifle. Well, um, instead of focusing on lightweight, um, we had all discussed making it the right weight. Correct. Right. So um, I wanted to make sure that we designed a rifle that had all the features that an extreme hunter, somebody that's going to pack it up in the mountains, somebody's going to take it on a, a backpacking trip to the Yukon, or they're going to hunt with it in the prairies of Montana, you know, have that- all the abilities of shooting long range, having it the right weight for what they needed to use it for. And then having all the features that we discussed uh, all compiled into one rifle. Um, I, I didn't want a rifle that was so overly long that be, it became cumbers, cumbersome to carry. Now, we, I've built a lot of lightweight uh, hunting rifles that had 26-inch barrels, um, right. and they just become cumbersome. Your 26-inch magnum-length barrel Correct. was was the standard, and then it's yeah. And then you kind of everybody gravitated. There was a chunk of time in there where y'all gravitated to running a brake. Correct. Well, that added another two and a half inches. Yep. Now you got a now you got a 28 20, and a half, 28 and a half 29 mm-hmm. inch rifle. And now, pretty soon, every time you're going through the underbrush, it's grabbing. You Correct. know. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that morphed from being the brakes to now that we've talked about this is right. I don't want to shoot without a suppressor. Right. You know, so now you're adding a five a, and a, a half A brake is only because you're going to a country that won't let you bring your suppressor. Correct. That's right. And so having, having a barrel that is so long, it's cumbersome to carry uh, became something that uh, was something we had to really look at the design of how we're doing it. Because when you shorten a barrel you're losing velocity yep. on that bullet. And we had to decide how short do we want to go and how much velocity are we okay with losing. And so when we came up with our designs for our barrels, the 20 and 22-inch barrel lengths that we're working on, um, we knew that we were going to lose somewhere between 30 and 50 feet per second per inch on these cartridges. Um, and so what we had decided was I'm – I'm okay with losing that velocity knowing that I'm going to have that consistency that I want. Uh, I'm more concerned about consistency than I am velocity. Well, 2023 is different in, I don't even know what year it was, but I I remember I got into the 300 rum the year it came out. Oh yeah. And the reason the 300 rum was magic is because you could stuff 92 grains of your Rotumbo in it. And you could put 168 grain barns solid and blah, blah, blah. And you could, it was your laser yeah. because you didn't have a rangefinder Correct. That, that could yep. function properly yep. at those extended ranges. Right. So, so you got the thing going as fast as you could. And that was just a made up number. Don't, right. don't right. put 92 grains of yeah. Rotumbo in it, but that might've been the, you, the load I used, <laughs> but don't well, do that. But that's, but, but that's yeah. right. And now it's just a number on a dial. Exactly. Right. That just, okay. I, I need X number of minutes for that range. And it, it really is insignificant. It doesn't really matter. That's right. So you yep. just, and the velocities aren't as important to me as the consistency. Like when we're talking about ammo, um, you know, I want something that has a very low standard deviation, on the, the feet per second, the velocity that's coming out. I don't care what that velocity necessarily is. I just want it consistent. And by doing that, I know I'm going to have a very accurate rifle, um, and people are going to be able to learn how to shoot that rifle and and be very accurate and competent it's with for, it. Your, your system's very forgiving now. Correct. Um, so you have all of absolute alpha components pooled yes, together. Yes, I mean, everything. everything is exact yep. top shelf you, you can't buy better equipment that's right that's what's right. the most important part 
Well, when you, when you first start designing a rifle, the very first thing that you want to look at is the action. And the action is the heart of the entire rifle. Everything that revolves around it, the stock attaches to the rifle by the action. The barrel attaches to the rifle by the action. The scope attaches to the rifle by the action. Everything revolves around how is that action made. And so when we first started looking at what action we were going to go with, we looked at several different other manufacturers. There's a lot of good quality manufacturers out there, but there was there was one specific action manufacturer that we had decided to go with based on the fact that um, they are an aerospace industry company and they are required to manufacture everything within the aerospace industry specifications. So this will be the most accurate shooting rifle on the moon. That's right, on the moon. <laughs> but their I tolerances, like their tolerances uh, yes. were tight, very tight tolerances, yeah. and that's everything that they do revolves around keeping those tolerances tight. Precision, and it's not yeah, and it's and it's not just the the actions; they have to keep their machines at those yeah. tolerances, right, right, to, right, in order to keep that the manufacturing process mask. going. Yep, right. So. Um, that was something that was very important to to us as we decided to to go with this action and and you guys have all felt the actions yeah they are so butter smooth the tolerances are incredibly tight everything that is made on that action is made almost to a perfection we know it's funny because we started nitriding stuff when nitriding just came out because i was i was shooting competitively then and it was it was hard it was much harder back then to flip barrels out yeah so we'd even nitride the barrels and just try to get them so they would last as long as possible sure. and that's what i mean that's that's even some of the things that are done to the action that i think that contributes absolutely so, so much to that butter smoothness that you're it talking is. about it is yeah and just i mean it, it's explain that what that is to a dummy that doesn't know what that nitriding is it's it's a it's a um Salt bath nitride is what it's called. Right, and it's it's a finish that they oh, okay. put onto the onto the bolt. It's okay. a process of of making uh, the surface a a very it's a hardened surface that's that extra hardness basically creates on another surface steel makes it very butter smooth. I got it now. So gotcha. it, it makes it more corrosion resistant. Okay. Yep. It contributes to the smoothness. So that yep. The last. Yep. And it, it, they just did a masterful job of creating these actions when they built them. So that's, that's why, you know, um, until somewhere in the future we're making our own actions, this was the action that we had decided we wanted to go with for, for the first yep. model. Right. And that's, that's the heart of everything. And um, the, the thing about the action is that every, when we put a barrel on it and when we put drop it into our stocks, everything fits perfectly. There's no um, having to you know mill out machine out file out areas like we've had to do in the past with other rifles it it just everything is has been fitted and it is perfectly machined the way it needs to be machined and so that's why we chose that action um and 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 really when you're designing a rifle like i said the very first thing is is looking at the design and then the second thing is working your quality it products what's yep. what what's the what's the products that you need to put into this and um when we had discussed um products that the number one thing we said is it's got to be the best quality period a as nine one zero zero aerospace standards that's right right that's right Yep. So when he's talking about the most accurate gun on the moon. On the moon. <laughs> I, I just thought I'd contribute to you guys' geeksness. There you geekness. go. Good job, nerd. Oh, AS9100. That's right. Is widely adopted as a standardized we, we can start quality calling him, uh, management Dilbert. system for the aerospace yeah, Dilbert. And <laughs> industry. Dilbert Mayman. This means procedures, processes, and work instructions, uh, including inspection, are developed and audited specifically for our actions. Our inspection criteria includes coordinate measuring uh, machines, CMM, checks, and in process inspection plans through all operations. That's right. You can't get a higher tolerance or tolerance That's right. of what would that be? Tolerance yeah. for this. So good. Right. I like yeah. it. So that's, that's why we chose the, the action. Uh, was based on those parameters, and I got to tell you, that sucker is smooth. Like yeah, yeah, they're they are pretty. Uh, I have yet to see one of our customers that grab one of these that didn't just smile when they right. worked the bolt. Like this is incredible. So, yep. 
stock you know, stock is the highest quality stock yes you can get. yes and that um, er, everything about the design of the stock was something that we had talked about from the very beginning um wanted something with a detachable mag box system but something that had a, a flush mag i didn't we didn't right. want to have i didn't want a magazine you know six inches hanging out of the bottom of the rifle we wanted it flush a lot um, of people are used to a mag but once correct. you use a mag you, you never hard. want to not use them yeah mag. No, i mean I it's just it. like i love it you know the 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 BDL bottom metals, that's what people are used yep. to. But yep. once you once you get used to using a magazine, they are so much nicer. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the big thing was when we talked about having a, a, a pick rail on the forearm, um, along with wanting to add the Arca Swiss rail forward of the magazine box. Right. And that was a big deal for, for me when I was wanting to design this rifle because the more I've seen – shooting uh evolve right and and um not just hunting but shooting um it's it's kind of gotten to that point where people are really morphing to especially in the competition well world they're they're using a tripod system with an arca swiss on the rifle so that they can lock it in right. for competition shooting well that's now transitioning into the hunting world and people are are using that a lot more so i wanted to have that capability to be able to to train people how to shoot off of a a, a very quality tripod system with the Arcarel, and you guys have used, you've seen how it works. Yeah. When you lock that in, it's so tight. Right. Um, I tried doing it homemade style about, what, eight years ago, and Brian hated it. I was like, I can do this for you, too. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, did, I didn't hate it. It, well, it, it was the way I did it. It yeah, wasn't. As, it, it, it wasn't was, nearly uh, yeah. as ergonomic. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I wasn't going to have that on my gun. You know what right. I'm saying? It kind of looked like a uh, turd stuck on a punch bowl. So I was like, no, nah, I'm okay. <laughs> turd stuck on a punch bowl. Another word for yeah. cumbersome? Yeah. I don't know. Rudimentary? Rudimentary. Yeah. Uh, but it worked. But, yep. <laughs> it worked. Well, and that's, and that's why we had the, those designs. Is we've got the, the pick yeah. rail on the forearm. We've got yeah. the arca rail on the, in the uh, forward of the magazine box. Um, and then the design of the stock itself, the pistol grip, uh, the the cheek piece, the everything about the rifle, negative comb on it, right? Yeah, it's all the, the it's cutie really flush nice. cups. I yep. mean, there's there's so many things that uh, you know, Brian, you and I were talking about it on the phone the other day, talking about my design for um, carrying the rifle on a backpack uh, is different than most people. Most people use slings. I I hate slings. I do not like to use a sling at all. I like to use a gun carrier to put my uh, gun on my rifle but i don't want to put it in the back on my backpack because inevitably it. i'm going to put it in my back and i'm going to walk up and there's going to be a 350 class bull standing in front of me 368 class 368 raking on horns after you put out That's a right. fire down a hill now just saying just i mean shit and I'm by the time about. i get my pack off to get my gun he's gone so right. i like to have it ready and we'll so that's a whole that. other thing about the flush cups is uh you know i have a design that i'm going to use to to put the hook the gun onto my pack in the front then I can walk hands free, um, but you know that was all thoughts on designing, this, uh, making sure that the stock was designed the way we wanted it. Right. And then uh, rolling right into the barrel, um, you know, we've had this big discussion about carbon fiber barrels, and um, not only are they lightweight, but you know, a, there's some good quality manufacturers out there making good quality uh, tubes that. You know, once they get carbon wrapped, that's one of the highest end barrels on the market. Uh, and it's not just that they're high dollar, they're high quality. I mean, we're talking cut rifle barrels, machined to very tight tolerances like we were talking about. Um, so you know it's going to be a very accurate barrel. Uh, and they're machined to the, the length that we want, the uh, and contour what's the that we weight? want. What's the weight on these guns? Uh, the the total weight of the rifle alone is about six. When you're between the short and the long action, you're about six and a half pounds. So when you add in the scope and rings, you're you're right around that eight pound range for a rifle. Which now is, for a long range hunting rifle, that's the right weight. That's the right weight. Uh, I, I don't want a. Uh, five five pound. pound right no, here. don't Doesn't want matter. it. But I also don't want a fifteen pound rifle because I'm not packing that anywhere. What do the stocks weigh? Twenty five uh, ounces, I think. I think they're right? twenty five ounces. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. That's fine. 
Can I go back I, to that the, was a general question. You could answer it. Too. <laughs> I, was, I was curious about the barrel, going back to a minute, for carbon fiber mm-hmm. barrels. At one point, were they not frowned upon for carbon fiber? Well, the what first changed? company that came out and started doing them, was it I a think. Heat thing? Just it was heat? Uh, they, they, you would send your barrel in and they would wrap your barrel. And so. It was kind of like crap in, crap out. So sometimes I think that was the big, the big ding against carbon oh, fiber in the yeah. beginning. Oh, okay. And yeah. so now, realistically, on these higher end rifles, it's at, yeah, I think about ninety six percent carbon fiber. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, and they just, stand up to the heat. Become a standard. They they stand to take take the heat and everything. Well, well, that's yeah. a that's a big conversation. Yeah, that's a whole conversation we yeah. could have. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, that's the a podcast, is, a two hour, <laughs> three hour podcast, probably. Right. The reality <laughs> is, you're taking a uh, a machine barrel that's that's contoured down a lot smaller, wrapping it with carbon fiber to give the stiffness of a heavier barrel. So it's strong, yep. lightweight. Yep. So the thicker the barrel, the less of a sine wave, sine wave whip that you get, because it's like. Like you've seen a slow mo arrow come off oh, a string. Oh yeah, exactly. Yep, I you know. You get that what serpentine. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you get that in a barrel too when it's shot, to a much lesser oh, wow. extent. Okay. But if you, well, you're the barrel expert. Yeah, you so, you so talk about really it. what you talk about is um, when you're talking about whip um, and and people. This is always funny because when people ask me about whip, they say you know they always point to the end of the barrel. Well, the end of the barrel where is where it matters because. The whip of the barrel is where the last point of the bullet touching the barrel. But where does that start? Well, that starts at the chamber, right? When, when you fire around, that percussion, that explosion that happens creates uh, waves in the barrel that go all the way down the barrel. So if it's really a pencil-thin barrel and you start those waves here and it goes down, that lightweight barrel is even going further and further. Yeah, I get that. The stiffer the barrel is, the less whip all the way at the end. Got it. Right? And so the thought process with carbon fiber is that you're taking that light barrel, wrapping it with carbon fiber, keeping it uh, very light but stiff is is taking that whip it's keeping the whip from hitting oh, the end got of the barrel. It. Now it makes sense. Right? Perfect. So that's that's really what it's all about. Is got is it. the okay. and, I, and I like to say it's more about the harmonics than it is about anything else. So yeah. um I, I think they've done a they've done a masterful job. Um you know, the barrels that we're using now proof they they've done a very good job of of, of mitigating the whip. So how much did you go into selecting the right barrel? I mean, I assume a lot. I, I already knew which company. I mean, you we've did. talked about yeah. it. There's a yeah. few other companies out there, but I've I had um, I've had a lot of experience with uh, almost every barrel manufacturer out yeah. there. Yeah. There's well, some Je- very Jeff quality was, barrel. You, you've, built, you've built more barrels millions. than probably yeah. 99.99%. Oh, wow. Say that again, millions? Millions of barrels. Really? My, I didn't know my that. dad had, at one point, the largest barrel manufacturing company in the world no kidding yeah they were they were huge so there's not many people in the world that know as much or yeah take that right there yeah (laughs) take that yeah yeah right there uh yeah i did that (laughs) no my boot's bigger than your boot that's right wow and so it yeah there's been been a lot of barrels made uh understand the process fully um but there there's there's quality manufacturers out there um I, you know, and like Model Two, we're we're going to use an all steel barrel, um, with uh, my my buddy Wade Hole down at uh, Schillen, and make a, again a very very high quality, extremely accurate barrel, um, and we're going to use those for for that model when we roll. Yeah, even even things like down to the finest details, like there's it's hard to argue. I mean, you can argue about anything you want. But it's hard to argue about having a rail and rings. Yes. Because you have flexibility and, yeah. you know, it's it's the ease of setting up the system then. Yeah. But the one-piece rail is kind of cumbersome. Yeah. Like this, you're utilizing well, two-piece. Well, it obstructs the yeah. handle right. on a rifle. Right. And the handle is a scope. It 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 is. I when I'm hunting, I typically will carry my rifle by the scope. Me too. I'm the and it drives people crazy. And yeah. I'm like, like Sean Carlock, cut, cut that, cut that. Have rail you ever? Out. Uh, so, so, what are you doing? Don't grab that yeah. rifle by the scope. If but Brian, uh, Brian, you know, I, bull I in a china a, closet. I'm is a that believer what you that if you can't grab the rifle by the scope and carry it, then there's something not 
connected right. correctly. Exactly. Right. So I truly believe if it's if you can't grab that scope and carry the rifle, then something's not made right. And and that's yeah, why what I just you like you're talking about. It up use, but the, the bases and the rings. But the bases and the rings are super high quality. High quality yes. Um, and a lot of people don't. You know, they're like, oh, you're going to spend that much on rings? Yes. Why would you spend that much on rings? You can buy them for 50 bucks. Yeah, it's vital. It's well, a vital part. That's just another yep. part of the equation that you start adding all of these little variables. Yep. And if you minimize the different variables and try to bring everything together, yep. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons your rifle shoots so well. That's right. That's right, and it, and it's it's vital to make sure that those are those are all quality products, and that's why like we're using um, the the Hawkins Precision rings right now on the on the scopes because not only are they an extremely high quality ring, but they also have the bubble level uh, machine into them. So it that just solves another problem with our right. our shooting. We know that every rifle that we're sending out there in this platform is going to have a bubble level on it because we want people. And the scope's to mounted level and why the reticle tracks. For long range. Yep. You know, I look at it and I hate to say this, uh, give another golf analogy because we <laughs> oh threw my the fine of me. But if you're if you're shooting long range and you don't have a bubble level and you might have a canted uh, barrel, you think you're shooting straight, but what you're doing is you're either hooking or you're slicing. Oh, makes sense. You're sending it to the wrong dimension because your rifle's canted, so you're sending it that way, or if it's canted this way, you're sending it that way. Got it. And that's that's the, the truth of it. So if you have a bubble level on there, and when you're firing at something 800 yards, and you look and you know that bubble is, is perfectly level, that you are going in that direction. Yep, right. The shooting well, academies are something that we teach people how to, if, if your rifle gets knocked off, just like what happened to Brian on his hunt one time, if your oh, yeah. rifle's knocked off and you, you know it's not shooting accurately, we, we teach that in the shooting academies is how to use the scope with the, t with the uh, reticle, with the measuring device as a, uh, you know, the reticle as yep. a measuring device, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that if you're off, being able to shoot and find out where you hit and use that to correct. Right. Okay. In theory, your scope's not. You're not going to unscrew the rings yeah, unless you no, have to. Yeah. Right. So right, everything's right. still. Every the system still but, should be but, level. Yeah, I got it's you. Just the reticle got bumped inside the. And that's um, what's going to be adjusted and, right. and zeroed in. Right. And and the reality is is that that's that though the universities. I think that that's one of several big aha moments. Yeah. Is when people go, why do you use these? They buy a scope and it has hash marks all over it, right? And then they think they understand how to use it. But then when you apply that to a practical uh, return to effort, you know, oh, you're in the field and you know you're off. You can now measure it yourself because yep. we're going to teach how to read it as a ruler, right? right? Um, yep. And Because uh, you can buy a scope, the same scope, without the ruler inside of it, and it's 50 bucks cheaper or 100 I don't know what it is, but it's less money. But the money – that you spend mm -hmm. on the ruler inside mm -hmm. is worth ten difference. times. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I, I it's get worth, that. It's worth. I'm, matter of fact, uh, well, I have yeah. no use for one that doesn't have right. a ruler in it because it, it it has nothing for. Because honestly, even let's say you're in a in a fairly foggy day and your rangefinder is not picking up, okay, right? Or you got smoke out, and you know that said deer is eighteen inches deep. Yeah, twenty inches, eighteen inches deep. Okay, and so now all you got to do is you have the number to create your own equation. So you throw your you throw your uh, reticle up on it mm -hmm. and you measure it. Right. Mm -hmm. How many hashtags is that? Well, it's three. Okay, three covers it. So three and, and that's three inches. Mm -hmm. So what is that? How many yards? Uh, that's it's just a so nice tool to have so that you can you, you can. You so if it's 20 it. inches deep at three, you're what? Um, uh, now my brain's not working. Well, uh, so so let's say so let's say the mule deer. I always look at a mule deer as as 18 inches deep at the withers, and I'll say say I throw. Oh, okay, got it. Yep. So so yep. let's you can use yep. that yep. to measure that with your ruler. Okay. And and find out a, an estimated range. Now obviously yep. not everything's perfect, but it would be a last case emergency scenario that you would use that I, for if you had to because you can't you can't range i saw a guy on tv the other day he was on a doll sheep hunt 
and he had an all-electric system set up, and the fog rolled in, and they couldn't range the doll sheep. And it was the only legal sheep they saw. And the guide could range a rock. And he said, well, the rock's 400 yards, and I think that ram is at least 100 yards behind it. So his electric system was no longer working, and he didn't have a ruler because it was an electronic scope. Ah. So I think he said he held wow. four feet over the ram and shot. Just ballparked it just, pretty much. Just guessed. That's why having that ruler inside, yeah. at least he could have he could have measured the sheep and came up with an educated guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not not yeah. now it's not just a guess. Okay. I got X number of minutes and you got data. Yeah, Yeah. you got you you got something. Mm -hmm. But his he had a rangefinder on his scope and he couldn't range it with his scope and it was supposed to tell him where to hold and all that and it was so anyway it was just purely guessing at that point. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. um, Cool beans. yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you were to purchase the LSR, what kind of things would you add on later if you needed to? You don't absolutely have to, but would be nice. Or what kind of accessories do you recommend? Well, um, so we sell the rifle as a, a rifle scope combination. So it comes with, uh, right now it comes with the, the Loophole Mark V, uh, 3D18 by 44 scope. Um, and we we incorporate in with that our range dial and dump system. So it'll have a tape on the on the turret specific to the ammo. Um, But we also sell what we call our stabilization package, which adds on to the, to the rifle. And that will come with a a tripod uh, with a ball head, making sure that everything's set up and fitted for the Arca rail and the pick rail. Everything's good to go with that. And then um, a bipod that will go on the front. Um, We use a a rifle bipod on the front uh, pick rail of the, of the stock. Um, A, a padded cheek piece, uh, buttstock cheek piece that that we use. Uh, we use that basically for for two things. Some people like to use it because it's got uh, cartridge holders; they can put their their mm-hmm. ammo in sure. there. But I use it Cartridges. specifically for uh, cheek piece for raising or lowering the cheek piece specific to the scope, so that the shooter okay. can can Make use the adjustment. right padding in there yep. to get the cheek perfectly to right. the scope. And then the fourth thing is our uh, hammers shooting sticks. Um, that comes in the, the package as well. And so that um, stabilization package is a separate uh, package. And then we also add in our Hunt the World package, which then we include into that a, uh, a case of ammo uh, specific for that rifle as well. So okay. the Hunt the World package will come with the ammo, the stabilization package, the rifle scope combination, the whole thing. You yeah. basically have everything you need from that point to go anywhere and shoot anything for any distance. And then would you put a suppressor on it? That's the next thing that we're working on right now is is setting up a, a, a package uh, for the suppressors. Um, working on a deal right now that we're, we're hoping to get launched this next week i'd like to try to get that on our website to mm-hmm. to to get suppressors yeah we, but every we all are we using do, them yeah every rifle we do is built for a suppressor yeah. sure yep well, yeah, we, we, they're, they're all threaded for every yep. direct thread yep suppressor slip it on and yep. off you go yep. which is nice it reduces the recoil It'd be nice if the they would just do away with this tax stamp yeah, I mean, right. Man, you know hollywood's killed the suppressor because they people think oh, that yeah, main street yeah. America thinks if you put a suppressor Gangsters, on. Yeah. Gangsters. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. hears it. You know, James Bond 007. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, it still makes a crack, um, It's but it but it makes it tolerable. Yes. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I, I don't like to shoot without polite. one anymore. Uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's not silent by any means. But right. anyway. No, th- the word silencer is not an there's, accurate. You know, that's no, another whole other topic. But ours are all set up to be suppressed. Mm. And we yeah. all use suppressors Absolutely. whenever we can. Yep. Brian and I just returned from the Yukon and we had to use brakes. So I stopped and I put my suppressors in my ears mm. before I squeeze the trigger yeah. on that yeah. one. You know, I mean, it's just another pain in the mm-hmm. butt. Yeah. Um, so how easy is it to... Uh, to Follow the shot to trace your bullet. Well, it. it's a it's a learned skill, I would say. It is. It depends on how stable you get. 
how your natural point of aim is. I mean, those are two of the most important things, uh, being stable and having a natural point of aim so that when your gun recoils into you, it falls back so that you can control that. And that's where you're talking about the five-pound gun almost I mean, it's almost impossible with a five-pound rifle to follow is. your shot. I, I can, I can Super easy that. with a 15-pound sure. rifle and a 6.5, a 7, yeah. a 6 yep. to follow your shot. That's where you're talking about these eight-and-a-half-pound rifles. It's something that you can manage, and, you know, you, you'll get better at it with practice. But w- when we do at the universities, we always say, you will, see your sh- you will see your bullets flying in the air now. You know, you'll see that vapor trail. Yeah. You're going to see that. Most of the time, people haven't ever seen that before. Uh, or yeah. a lot of times. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but a lot of times, the people that come to our universities, they haven't seen the vapor trail of the bullet in the air. Um, the, you know, I mean, it's funny because we do, we do that mile shot. A lot of times, I can tell when the, it's a two-person event, usually. Brian is managing the shooter. I'm on the scope with the wind. That's how we've done it the last couple of years. You can tell some guys have a tendency to torque that gun and twist it. And as much as Brian tries to slap their hand and keep them from doing it, you can tell right away. You can see that bullet start launching and it's like, oh, the gun was torqued. Um, wow. So it's just yeah. you, you'll develop the habit and the skill set of getting behind, getting stable behind the gun, getting you square build, behind the you gun. You build your routine to execute accuracy. It's, it's, That's right. I mean, that's what you do because everybody's got a little bit difference. You know, we always bob our heads, see if our parallax is right. If that's not right, you're focusing that first thing. Then, you know, then you confirm level right after that. Okay. Now we've confirmed level. Okay. If you're shooting a second plane, a a second focal plane scope, am I on high power zoom? So that, you know, that's the three steps I always do. Um, Level. Yep. (laughs) Bubble. Yep. Zoom. Yep. Okay. That, that picture is set now okay now i got to worry about my breathing the squeeze and the wind hold somebody give me the wind hold yep. and then that, that that's my approach to it but if you don't have a rifle that you can count on connected to you that can do that it's it's forget about it it's gone wow. and, and yeah. why that's so important is so you can follow your shot and if you need to make an adjustment mm-hmm. you can you can do your own adjustment right you know most of the time we see our own shots and yeah. now we have a spotter. We try to have a spotter, you know, like with my doll sheep, I didn't have a spotter. I just, I, but I saw, I saw that bullet hit that sheep. Brian saw his bullet hit the moose. Hmm. And there's other uh, um, applied, uh, uh, there's other uh, opportunities to apply this to having positive results in the field. I was at, Nine, uh, uh, 1,200 yards with my um, moose this last week in the Yukon when he came out. And I ranged him. I got a reading, 1,200 yards, 1180. Okay, easy. He goes, how wide do you think that bull is? Because <laughs> we're looking at it going, holy shit, is that him, first of all? You used yeah. the ruler again. I used the ruler. He Told turned his head. He got this wide. I said, well. Here's the reality. He's a thousand yards away, okay, and every minute's ten inches, and he is six minutes wide, and he's like sixty. I said, a little over, <laughs> right? Because yeah. he's at eleven hundred yards, okay. so it's another six right. inches, five to six inches. And I'm like, he's like, no way. Well, we got down to him and we measured him, just shy of sixty-six inches. Wow. And but I knew that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't wow. lie. The ruler doesn't lie. Does that make sure. sense? But that's where that right weight that Jeff's talking yep. about comes in so handy because it's manageable. You know, the, every pound you're carrying up the hill, it hurts. <laughs> every step hurts, right? right? Mm. So it, your tendency to be to go to these five-pound rifles, five-and-a-half-pound rifles. But then when the moment that you most need – to be able to manage the recoil and whatnot. Be stable and all yeah, that. So yeah, so that's where he's kind of developed this rifle system to be the right weight, ah, not a lightweight. That's, awesome. that's why he says that. You know, we didn't talk about the trigger. Is there anything you wanted to say about the trigger? They're freaking awesome. They're freaking awesome, yeah. Um, you know, we've we use the at- freaking awesome <laughs> trigger system. Yeah. Well, on Lily's rifle, we've got it set perfect, about 1.6 pounds, 1.7 pounds. And so it's like, it's like, <laughs> 
but uh, um, snap. Uh, <laughs> that's what Brian likes. We usually okay. are shooting for the two and a half pound <laughs> yeah, range. Is what yeah. we. Uh, they're 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 crisp. They're uh, adjustable and they they work extremely. When you well. say they're, crisp, I think that it, so. When we say crisp, I, I would like to give an explanation for that. There's no sponginess to it. Right. There's no creep. There's no creep. It's right. not spongy. It's not soft. It breaks clean. Snap. Correct. And it doesn't matter what the weight is. The break is the same. It's just that you have to apply less weight. That's creep what you're looking for. Creep equals crap. And, and, and truly, and that's what you're looking for spongy in yuck. a good right. Or in a it's good a physics trigger, term. Right? I, you don't. You don't yeah, want it. You, you don't want that trigger dragging back as you're pulling it. You want yeah. as soon as you put that amount of poundage on it, you want it to break right now. Mm-hmm. And and that's mm-hmm. vital for accuracy. The uh, you know the faster that trigger breaks, uh, the faster what's called lock time. The faster that your firing pin hits the primer. Yeah. So is that more gooder? Like you say, more gooder. Way more right? gooder. Way, way more, more good. So does that make sense? I hope all the listeners, yeah. because we use that rule all our time. Eighteen. Uh, just to go back to the mass, three minutes, eighteen inches. Uh, you're at six hundred yards. Okay. Well, it's inside of six hundred yards then, because it's less than that. You have a reference point now that you can go. Okay. Well, listen. If I can cut the distance half, now I'm at three. Now I've got my optimal zero going on. I can set my turret at 200, 240 yards, whatever my OZ is. My opti- uh, uh, Am I saying that right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then b- now I get 300 yards from that thing. I know m- I-, I can kill this animal without having to have the precision of a rangefinder because. I know the ballistics of this, and I know the accuracy of my rifle, and I know my range, uh, margin of error for this rifle. We've, we've used that rifle like that, have right. we not? Well, even, even with my Fannin sheep I shot last week, I, w- I was shooting a super steep downhill angle, mm. and I measured the depth, and I said, okay, <laughs> I have two minutes above, and I have two minutes below. This bullet's going... Right in the middle. Right, exactly. So you know your margin of error. I was like, so okay. We yeah. use it all the time for wind. Okay, you're at yeah. 500 yards, and we put it in there. We bracket it in there. Okay, we have two and a half minutes. Nope. You know what? Let's stay on the animal. I'm gonna give it. Uh, we don't know. Is it a four minute wind call? Is it a three minute wind call? I got a good idea. Let's give us that one minute of favor. A buffer. A buffer, and this is what we'll do. And we count that, and we have this conversation together all the time. You might not have your guide that has that conversation, but these rifles that Badlands Rifle Company is building and Badlands uh, Precision University is going to deliver the education with brings those two things together. So when you're on the mountain with a guide and the guide doesn't know, it's okay. Just tell me where I hit it and don't tell me you were an inch to the right. Just let me know if I was left of it, right of it, low. I was watching some video yesterday with Lucas on Russia. And, uh, um, and I shot at a sheep 1,300 yards away, allegedly. This is the farthest shot I've ever taken on a ram. Remember it like it was yesterday. And Lucas was showing me the footage the bullet hit three inches in front of its front foot. And the film was zoomed in through a spotting scope on it. And I watched the mud on the mountain in that um, saddle that he was crossing go poof. And the ram ran. And he split off the side of the mountain to our right. And, and I had to try to make that shot. God willing, the ram came my way. I ended up hitting him at 800. Here's the only difference between 1,300 and 800, my rangefinder. I got a better range at that, and he was, I thought he was at 1,000, and he was probably at 300 yards, and I needed to up it that minute, minute and a half, and you know what I would have done? If I'd have had somebody with the right range, confirming range, he would have been dusted. He would have been dusted at that distance. The uh the Russian learned English, though. Heat. Heat. Yeah. Heat. At, at 800, <laughs> heat. 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 <laughs> and no then, shut. And then once we had the range and the wind, 
uh, three times at between 790 and 800, uh, he was hit. Well, you got to have a rifle built that way, and then you got to have a mentality built, and then you have to then have the understanding of the equipment built. So when you have the mentality built, the understanding of how to apply the equipment and the equipment, it's like that three-legged stool that we talked about matching the hunter to the hunt. Oh, yeah. With the physical, the mental, and the yep. gear, yep. it's yep. the same thing with the rifle. The same rifle, yep. the rifle, the yep. understandings of the ballistics and the optics together, and then you connected to yep. it. And the skill. And when yep. you can connect those three, boom, you have it. And that's what Mr. Sipe and Badlands Rifle Company and Badlands Shooting Universe or Precision University wants to bring together. And as far as we can tell, it literally is the first time um, it's really been. Uh, orchestrated that way in the marketplace and packaged together like that that's right yep yep wow because it's going to be exciting because the education is included in the cost of the rifle nobody's doing that yeah right and that's what that's what we have to remind ourselves and everybody that buys this rifle you're not buying if that rifle's ninety eight hundred and seventy five dollars okay you're not buying a ninety eight hundred and seventy five dollar rifle system you're buying a $9,875 tool that's going to come with an experience and learning how to use it because we've built that price of that shooting course into that. Yep. That's cool. By that's speaking right. out of turn here. That's exactly right. Wow. 100% right. And Brad's an expert at it. Brad knows how to use it. At a 200-yard shot, you know, Brad goes in and goes, what's your, what's your favorable con, uh, um, uh, optimal <laughs> hunt or shot on your animal when you see it, right? Yeah. Because this is Brad's brain, yeah. right? No. He's oh, pre- yeah. And, yeah. He, and he's, pre- he's forecasting. He's like, mine's 234 yards or 224 yards. I forget what he told me. And I said, mine's like 350. And he's like, oh. I'm I'm show I'm 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 seeing mine closer. This was us talking on the way in. Oh, you're forecasting. Forecast. I'm sorry. I you gave me COVID election year Omicron variants, and I had a I I had a, I had some trouble there. Um, but so no, he was forecasting. Uh, yeah, I so said. I said. What, you, what did you forecast your you know, sheep you. that you're going to shoot? Because I said I'm above mine. My sheep's bedded. And it's 212 yards, and I'm going to shoot it in its bed. And so here's what happens. When he's telling his outfitter, this is on film, he goes, well, we'll tell Brian it was 212 yards. Because <laughs> it was like 180. You know what I'm oh, saying? And, and, and so which yeah. isn't far off. But when he says he had two minutes above and yeah. two minutes below, and it's in its bed, and it's, what he didn't tell you is that it was only showing about uh, two-thirds of its body. Right. But that scope consumed the whole animal. And he knew exactly what margin error. I'm playing it safe. This is my golf game. I'm going to get it on the green. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what I did, too. I was like, just uh, aim for the green. I'm, this sucker is going this. I have a four minute target. And I'm putting this. That. That. See, that, so, so his brain can't yeah. even stop himself from having this scenario play out that way because he's he's really built it inside of himself because he shot so much well guess what he's an elite shooter in a rugged wilderness sport but when you spend forty thousand dollars on a sheep hunt don't you want to be an expert at something oh i would think so and you know what you want to be an expert at making the fucking shot Shot. (laughs) (laughs) right and and so we want a badlands rifle company and you know, Badlands University, Precision University wants to bring all that together, make you a Brad Dana, send you out the door, or at least as close as we can get so you can start developing the same skill set. And then you have that competence and confidence when you get on the mountain that the shot, you look at your outfitter and go, the shot's there. True story. We sat right. down. He said, have you shot when I was going in two weeks ago? He goes, have you shot your uh, rifle? I said, no. He goes, we should shoot your rifle. I said, Okay, he goes, uh, I go, there's a tree with a bald spot on it. It was a spruce tree, and it, was, uh, um, it was, uh, had a bald spot about uh, 10 inches, and I go, let's just shoot at the center of that. There's a little fleck of bark in there. And uh, I shot at it, and he goes, you missed to the right. And it blew a branch off. And I'm like, that's interesting. So um, he goes, shoot another one. So I shot again. He goes, mm, looks like you hit it that time. I said, let's walk up to it. It was 104 yards. We walked up to it. Two bullets, quarter minute apart. Quarter minute. <laughs> Are to you the, kidding me? No, quarter minute to the right. I did it from shooting sticks. Quote, what the fuck? <laughs> I go, I'm on. He goes, yes. 
<laughs> yes. after, he goes, after we shot, he goes, first night on the mountain, we're glassing. I'm trashed. We went in two miles, got to a saddle. We're looking in two bowls. He goes, you shoot a lot. I said, I shoot enough. He goes, you shoot a lot. <laughs> I go, we shoot a lot. Yeah. I said, yeah. we shoot a long range or extended range hunting course. We teach it. And he goes, quote, fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how guides yes, feel. Yes. They'll drag your ass across the mountain, put the game in front of you. You know what they want? And then he started telling stories. The last three sheep I've been on, the guy missed, guy missed, guy missed, guy missed. Yep. And, uh, and, and by the way, I've missed. Brad's missed. Jeff's missed. But if we can take most of that miss out, you're going to make your guide happy. Trent, good stuff. Great stuff, guys. Built for adventure, trained for adventure. Built for adventure, Ooh. trained for adventure. Like it. Badlands Rifle Company, built for adventure. Badlands Univer uh, Precision University, trained for adventure. Amen. All right. I like it. Well, listen, thanks for listening today, uh, and thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. If there was something that was said or language that we used that was offensive, go ahead and let us know. I'll make sure Brad takes care of that next time and uh, gets back on the leash and doesn't say the <laughs> F word. Um, we we, uh, we uh, apologize for his vulgarity there, but anyway. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Damn it, Brad. <laughs> Damn it, Brad. Yeah. Anyway, Weasel, go to please. go to rollingbones.com, go to courses, and go to rifles. And you can learn more there. Badlands rifle uh, rifles are on there. Um, the LSR is there. It's up. It's ready to look at. Go ahead, read about it. If you have any questions, dial 605-644-8000 or email us at info at rbohome.com, info at rbohome.com, and we would be happy to get back to you. If you have any topics that you would like to hear from jeff on brad on or any of our guests on go ahead and uh uh email us at hello at rbohome.com hello at rbohome.com that gets right to bleep he will then put that on the schedule absolutely he will print it out get it in front of us and we will get that content out to you or do the best we can at that okay yep you guys should tape your hands next time before you use me as a punching bag by the way <laughs> we we we, we <laughs> <laughs> Some Bradfield beat up. <laughs> oh, and anybody that has anybody that has yeah. sympathy uh, for Brad, go ahead and and, and, and email. Yeah, send us that and, too. Yeah, right? email who gives a shit at rbohome.com. Yeah. Who gives a shit at rbohome.com? He's stuck over here with his election year Omicron. Yeah, his election year Omicron variant. So wow. anyway, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it as always, and as always. Uh, be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate yes, that. Yes, thank you. Thank you.